Here we go! The official show is back. Eli Sussman here, the managing editor of Fish Stripes. This show appearing on our Fish Stripes podcast feed wherever you get your pods, as well as on fishstripes.com. These solo episodes, as usual, presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. My oh my, what a difference a single week could make. At this time last week, we couldn't even bear and stomach the thought of talking about the Marlins Major League team. It had gotten that ugly, poor performances across the board, and just some concerns that they could fade out of contention in record time, despite all the expectations of improvement heading into 2021. And since then, it's gone almost perfectly. This road trip that they're wrapping up here on Jackie Robinson Day against the Braves, I'm recording this right before the afternoon season finale, series finale. You're probably going to be listening it, to it right after the game or the following day. They are playing with house money heading into this series finale with Trevor Rogers on the mound. You'd like to win it. You'd like to sweep the Braves. They've never swept the Atlanta Braves in a four-game series ever, so that would be great. Regardless, I don't think that takes any of the shine away from what's been a very encouraging turnaround for this team. This will be a positive show. As you can see from the episode of the show, the main subject, Jazz Chisholm Jr., who is very immediately vaulting to the top tier of not only recognizable and popular Marlins players, but potentially one of the faces of the game. I don't think there's another team in baseball with swag like the Miami Marlins. (laughs) We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, I have plenty to talk about with him and my stances on him coming up. The appetizer to Jazz is going to be the one other player on the Marlins active roster who has clearly exceeded my expectations. So what do I mean by that? Just guys that their performance through the first couple weeks of the season really goes beyond what I thought they were capable of doing at this particular stage of their career. So with Jazz, I thought it may be too early for him to reach this all-star caliber level of production. And uh, with Dylan Floro, I wasn't sure that he'd be able to sustain what he did uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, his previous team, and instead he has improved upon that, pitching better than ever in the Marlins bullpen as their probably their eighth inning guy, their main setup guy for the moment. As a refresher, acquired from the Dodgers in an offseason trade, pretty close to the start of spring training, a two-for-one trade, if I remember correctly, with them sending Alex Vesia and Kyle Hurt to the Dodgers. Hurt, more of a throw-in. Vesia, someone who had dominated throughout the Marlins minor league levels. And at the time, I liked the move. I thought Flora was a safe bet to outperform Vesia, uh, at least for this year, if not for the next couple years. And he's someone who's affordable, who's very experienced. He was in that Dodgers bullpen throughout the 2020 season. A 2.59 ERA last year and peripherals that mostly back that up only allowed one home run in 24 and a third innings pitched. I likened his pitch mix to a rich man's Brandon Kinsler. There were some similarities there between him and the former Marlins closer, except Floro, more affordable, three years of control. But even with that optimism about him and some faith that he could improve what was a very inconsistent Marlins bullpen last year, this just goes beyond anything you could have thought. Digging into the stat cast data, as we like to do here, he is in the 90th percentile or better 
nine out of 10 guys can't reach this level in a variety of these peripheral stats. The average exit velocity that he allows, the hard hit rate that he allows, the expected batting average, the expected slugging percentage, and he's nearly there in his strikeout rate too. Overall, his more traditional numbers hasn't allowed an earned run in his seven appearances, six and a third innings pitched, one extremely unearned run. I'll say not all unearned runs are created the same, but this is one that for sure should not have been on his ledger. And overall, just two base runners allowed by himself in his appearances so far out of the Marlins pen, very quickly earning the trust of Don Mattingly in the setup role. And the pitch. He chased up and out of the zone. Floro retires Ozuna. Sandoval in back. Now Floro strikes out Swanson. How is he doing it? It looks a little bit different than what we saw from Brandon Kinsler last year because the stuff plays up a little more. Same kind of stuff he had last year for the Dodgers. A fastball that averages over 93 miles per hour with his sinker and his four-seamer. He mixes in his changeup and his slider. What stands out? What's making him even better than ever to this point is that his command is whew, the most important pitch that you make in almost any plate appearance is usually the first pitch of a plate appearance. We got into that a little bit last week talking about the Marlins offense and how they were passing up on too many opportunities to do damage against first pitches. And with Floro, if you're patient like that, he will make you pay. So far this year, first pitch strike percentage, 73% of his plate appearances. First career, he's been all right at that, 61%. The league average during that span, a little over 60%. This is taking it to an entirely new level. The fact that he has really four distinct pitches, if you separate the four-seamer from the sinker, that he's throwing all of them in uh, various counts and throwing it to both handed batters as well, that he is keeping you guessing, and he's simply just throwing it in the zone. He's not getting people to chase out of the zone, and really not getting many very swings and misses. There were a few in his most recent appearance against the Braves that we saw, and he has that potential. Overall, he's someone that just expertly manages the quality of contact against him, enough variety of his pitches, and uh, in a good rhythm with the way that he's selecting them, that hitters don't see what's coming and they're unable to square up the ball. Uh, as we'll get into with Jazz, what Jazz is doing so well that's so enthralling to everybody is his ability to get it on the barrel. And Floro is just the opposite. He has not allowed a barrel all season long to this point, coming off a year where he was excellent in that regard. The main reason why there was some apprehension about acquiring Floro is simply his circumstances that he was coming from the Dodgers. He was affordable. Like I said, this year, his salary right around $1 million, not even that high, with multiple years of control remaining. The Dodgers are a franchise that has plenty of star power, but just as importantly, they're one that has been so consistently successful on the strength of their depth at so many positions. Why would they want to get rid of this guy who is still in the middle of his club control years, coming off a good year for them where they trusted him en route to winning the World Series title and getting unproven players in return. That the only theory I had is that they thought Floro's best days could be behind him, that for some reason that we were missing, there was a drop-off coming, and it's been just the opposite so far. He's been terrific. He does it in an orthodox style as well. If you see the way he sets up 
on the mound and right before going into his delivery. That's fun to watch. He's been a great addition to this pen. The ones carrying this bullpen, essentially, have been Yimmy Garcia and Dylan Floro. They're just just those two on their own. Some contributions from Adam Simber, and lately John Curtis seems to be rounding into form as well. That is the potential to be solid, but for the most part, they're just biding their time until these next wave of pitching prospects come up as uh, reinforcements, guys that could actually get some more swings and misses. That's the one thing Floro isn't doing, and yet he is making himself a success in spite of that. Before we go into our big star at the moment, Jazz Sism Jr., a reminder that here on the Fish Drives podcast, we are celebrating one month of partnership with Simple. First of many, many months, we hope. It Symbol is where you trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest and profit off your sports knowledge. More than 2,000 early adopters have started investing already in their favorite teams, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA. So you visit www.symbol.app. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P to create a free account. Please use the promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, for a $10 bonus on your first deposit. Current share price of Sim Marlins, $27.35. It keeps going up because they keep winning, and it will continue to go up when they continue to keep winning later on this year. It is the easiest investment to make early on in the Major League Baseball season. Visit symbol.app, use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know. Invest in sports. Invest in Jazz Chisholm Jr. Everybody seems to be doing that. They don't need they don't need my selling to do that to get in on Jazz, who's been the Marlins' main second baseman this year. And as I'm recording this on Jackie Robinson Day, the starting shortstop for the Marlins in place of Miguel Rojas on occasion he is going to be playing just about every single day. And that was something that looked questionable as recently as a month and a half ago. He was in that competition with Isan Diaz for the second base job coming out of camp. Isan, someone that had more formal minor league experience and higher level minor league success. And Jazz simply outperformed him. We saw some incredible things in spring training. And we saw incredible things last year. I, I've never been a Jazz skeptic he's someone that i always believed could potentially be one of the better players on this team and certainly someone who i thought was the better candidate to break camp with the team coming out of spring training we saw flashes of him last year honestly more than flashes because i want to be clear about that with almost all these former top prospects that the marlins have had passed through the organization these past few years all of them have some type of flashes, right? Even Isan had that flash in his very first major league game, homering off Jacob deGrom. Now, Jazz has matched him in that department as well just a few days ago. Even before that, looking back to 2020, uh, I mean, the surface numbers were not good. He hit 161, a 242 on base, 321 slugging, and uh, the strikeout rate was a little bit too high. But you could see in the quality of his plate appearance, his ability to discern different pitch types and balls and strikes. You could see it certainly in his base running aggressiveness and his just fluidity on the bases. You could see it in his defense for sure. This is someone who has been a very highly regarded prospect for several years now, even before acquired 
from the Diamondbacks via trade, and he played almost exclusively shortstop throughout the minor leagues. Even though second base is moving down the defensive spectrum, it's the opposite side of the field, it's different angles, it's a big adjustment for a player that had been locked in at one position and still projects to be a shortstop moving forward no matter what team he's on. It's been an adjustment, or it should have been a difficult adjustment, and he has handled it very smoothly going back to 2020, and you could see it in spring training that on the defensive side, he can help you win games in a way that uh, a lot of other second basemen can't. So that's a very important edge that the Marlins essentially have two shortstops starting alongside each other in the middle of their infield. A key reason why I've been very high on the potential of this Marlins infield defense overall here in 2021. Of course, what you want to talk about now is the offense and especially the hitting. Recording this heading into Thursday, which will be his 10th game of the season, through his first nine games, he is hitting 259 but with a 400 on base percentage, a 630 slugging. That's a 1030 OPS. You remember the last time the Marlins had any hitter come close to a 1000 OPS? It was, of course, Giancarlo Stanton winning the National League MVP. So we're, we're pumping the brakes on Jazz reaching that potential right now. But so much to like, so much to like on Wednesday in a Marlins win against the Braves. Uh, Jazz hit a home run and he stole a base in the same game. The first time he's done that in the majors, it will not be the last. That's the type of stuff that on the most basic level draws people in, right? When they make those athletic plays. And he went so deep to center field against Charlie Morton for that three-run homer. This is Jazz with a high fly ball, deep center field. And Ciarte turns and looks. It's a three-run homer for Jazz. Chisholm Jr., an absolute no-doubter to center field. And then he stole third base. Not just any base, but stole third base as part of a double steal later on in the game. I haven't, I've told you I have not been skeptical of Jazz. Uh, I just didn't want him to overshadow John Birdie. For example, John Birdie being the guy the last few years that has quietly been the best on-base guy for the Marlins and the best base runner for the Marlins. And he made this roster as essentially the fallback at second base, someone that, as is the case here on Jackie Robinson Day, starting at second with Jazz at shortstop and who's very versatile and who really helps you win games. That's the bottom line, helping you win games right now. As confident as people were about Jazz, it's not too often that rookie players dramatically help you win games in their rookie seasons. It takes a little bit of time. The Marlins have been patient with a lot of these young players, some who have frankly flopped, and others like Sandy Alcantara, who keep improving and improving and improving, uh, now becoming a cornerstone of this team. Brian Anderson, his first cup of coffee in the majors wasn't so great, and he's just been a little bit better every single year and that he's now established as a very reliable everyday player. Sometimes it takes time. With Jazz, it has not taken that much time. That first year, 62 play appearances, and already this year, he's back on track. Like, you can focus on the small sample size. I think it is more useful to simply combine the numbers. You want to put a little bit more weight on what he's doing this year. But the overall career numbers to this point, a 193 batting average, a 721 OPS. And that's nothing to sneeze at. 721 when you're playing for the Marlins, home games at Lone Depot Park, 
that's about a league average hitter for someone we already know is a plus base runner and a plus defender. Like that's that's nothing to scoff at. He that is a guy that if he continues simply doing that moving forward, then the Marlins have a useful player and they salvage something from what was a very controversial trade, sending away Zach Gallen to the Diamondbacks. The other side of this, of course, is that Jazz is the model teammate and the model ambassador for baseball. I don't even use that lightly. He is everything that you want from a Major League Baseball player right now, especially in a market that struggles to draw casual fans, that doesn't have that deep-rooted fan base that's been passed through the generations. And even this year, things have been going well lately, but a team that I don't think anybody expects to realistically contend for the World Series, that you need a little something that goes beyond the performance to draw you in. Jazz has all of that. Got to keep going on, just coming. Say hi to the people in the Bahamas. Hi, people in the Bahamas. Say hi to your mom. Hi, mama. Say I love you. I love you, Mom. Okay, let me, let me finish. Get out of here, kids. Um. Earlier today, a new episode of the R2C2 podcast that's hosted by uh, future Hall of Famer CeCe Sabathia and Ryan Rucco. Uh, based a lot of Yankees lean to that podcast, but it's a national, international show, one of the more popular sports podcasts that there is. And Jazz was an amazing guest on that show. I loved, loved the segment in there where he calls out Zach Gallen, where he's, he says at first he tries to deflect, doesn't think about the trade much, that he doesn't really keep tabs on what Gallen is doing out in Arizona, and yet there are two series coming up between the Marlins and the Diamondbacks in May, and he's already had those circled on his calendar, and he says, he, he quote, he says he wants Zach to stay healthy because he cannot wait for them to go head-to-head in that matchup. Let me get the exact quote. It was a beauty. I'm not going to lie to you. He says, the one thing I really do want to do is take him deep. Facing me, it's going to be a mother bleeping when I get there. That He is so good at selling the game and selling himself and doing it very genuinely. He does have this kind of amazing confidence you've heard it even before he made the majors even before this season when he finally has all this tangible success in major league games he thinks he can do almost anything he thinks he can hit any pitch he could hit Degrom at 100 miles per hour he could steal bases anytime he wants to that you can't teach that man and the marlins have been missing that they've had other guys with similar potential um who have not put it all together and Jazz thinks that way, and he talks that way. He has the support of Derek Jeter as well. That's something we can't overlook. You may get tired of the story by now. That was originally Craig Mish reporting that Jeter hand-selected Jazz. Saw Jazz at the 2019 Arizona Fall League, where almost all the great Major League prospects congregate in a usual year for some competition. And... uh it must have been the 2018 Arizona Fall League, actually, because the trade was made in July of 2019. So first Arizona Fall League for Jeter up close as a Marlins executive and saw him there and was smitten by him there. Now that they're in the same organization, Jeter being someone that has personally reached out to him and been in steady contact with him to help him through this process, seeing a little bit of himself in jazz. Uh, I love it. I love it. 
and the fact that Jazz is still so eager to hit him up to get tips from him and actually seek his guidance, understanding that, of course, Jeter has one of the best best careers ever for a shortstop. Not quite the same skill set with Jazz, but he wants it, man. He wants he wants it all, and he's determined to get there, to be himself in the process. And, of course, doing so on social media as well, trying to be as accessible as possible and to uh, to take every compliment that he gets. He really does feed off of that type of stuff. It's hard to put, to really quantify that, how important it is that they're playing with fans in person this year. Limited fans, of course. Some restrictions being spread out. I think Jazz is someone more than anybody else that has really benefited for things returning to semi-normalcy in games. That he, that may be a reason why the numbers in his first call-up didn't blow you away. And all the tools are still there, and he's still doing the same things, but having more success with it now that he has that crowd in person, now that he can really taste what it's like being a major leaguer, what he's been pursuing this whole time, and uh, it keeps him going, even on the road, even when there's not very many Marlins fans. He feeds off the opposition as well. It's it's really been fantastic. This team desperately needed it. With that being said, I've been one just trying to pump the brakes a little bit. This is still such a small sample size that like ordaining him as the face of the team, one of the faces of the league, and as a superstar. See, that's the word I've been seeing a lot that gives me pause and that I can't endorse, that he's a superstar after 30 major league regular season games, someone that's been overall, if you're being generous, a league average hitter for his major league career so far. He's, he's not a superstar yet. He's got that potential. He's the youngest guy on a young Marlins team, and he's leading the team in a variety of categories. He's leading the team in OPS and in slugging and in uh, his average exit velocity, and more so than anything else, this is the number that blows you away, is his barrel rate. I tweeted this out earlier here on Thursday morning that he is ranked number two in baseball, not on the Marlins, but in all of baseball in barrel rate, the percentage of batted balls that he gets on the barrel as measured by the exit velocity and the launch angle. Five total barrels this year. That is a 27.8% barrel rate, trailing only Nelson Cruz, the ageless masher Nelson Cruz by less than 1% in that category. And you saw it. That's that's how he gets his home runs, and that's how he gets uh, his other extra base hits as well as when he barrels the ball. And he can do it to all fields too. That's what really excites you to dead center, to right center, to right, and even the opposite field that he has that type of power in a surprisingly compact package, not a big package at all, that he's able to do all this. You can't teach that. And the combination of that and the plate discipline, he has a 20% walk rate entering this game today. You just look at the barrel rate and the walk rate and nothing else, and that is such a strong foundation for a player. That's it's Juan Soto. That's that's what Juan Soto does. That's what any great hitter that you can think of. That's what what Mike Trout does. It's a very short list of uh, unanimously regarded great hitters, and the keys to them are they crush the ball consistently, and when they don't get pitches to hit, they're able to get on base and make an impact that way. Uh, There's a limit to his tools so far. We've seen him move very fast, and. 
he's an interesting guy because I refer a lot to StatCast, and, and the one category where he doesn't quite blow you away as much as you would think is his sprint speed, where he averages 28.2 feet per second on sprint speed. That's almost identical to what he had in the majors last year. League average is right around 27, maybe a little bit lower than 27 this early in the season, and they consider elite right around 30 feet per second. So he's in the middle. Like, he's good, and it does stand out a little bit more, 88th percentile, which is very good, but it's not it's not like a otherworldly athlete. It's, it's such a small sample, which is why I don't want to make blanket statements about exactly who he is, and to, to say that his numbers early on this season are completely sustainable I, I don't think they're completely sustainable, at least not for this year, because it's good tools. It's really great tools, but it's not otherworldly in terms of his sprint speed, in terms of his max exit velocity. On average, he hits the ball harder than any other Marlins player, but he's maxing out right around 111, 112 when he really crushes the ball. That's great. You do that almost any time, and you're going to get a hit out of it. Um, at, at the same time, it's it's nothing we haven't seen before. You know, It's that's what Jorge Alfaro does when Alfaro really gets it on the barrel. That's what Garrett Cooper actually does right around that same exit velocity range when he really gets all the baseball. It's great, and especially for a middle infielder. That's, I guess, what gets you most excited is that he is having this offensive tear, and he's doing it at a premium up-the-middle position. Uh, second base is pretty important, and we know that he can play shortstop, as he's already done a couple times this season. That establishes such a relatively high floor for who he is. I, I just want you guys to keep in mind, of course, the cautionary tales that the Marlins have gone after a lot of toolsy young players during this rebuild, and with the exception of Jazz, none of them on the hitting side have panned out. None of them. So at the same time, I that gets people to cling to Jazz as, yes, we took this gamble and it's working out. But these are also players that can be inconsistent because of the holes in their swing. In the case of Jazz, he could be over-aggressive on pitches up in the zone. and Sometimes he gets all of them and hits it off uh, DeGrom at 100 miles per hour. But most of the times he swings through those type of pitches, and uh, that's when he gets into situations where he makes unproductive outs and you might worry a little bit about the on-base skills. It's going to be such a fascinating process throughout the season to watch him grow, to watch the ups, and to watch the downs. But there will be a lot of ups. There is currently an up right now. Based on what he's shown in such a small sample, I think this is something we can all agree on, that he has earned himself a very long leash to validate it and keep it going. He he mentioned on uh, the R2C2 pod about entering spring training for the first time in his professional career, feeling like he has to compete for something, that he wasn't already assigned something, wasn't didn't earn it directly coming into camp, that he actually had to perform to get this job and how unfamiliar that was for him. And it happens even more so once you are actually in the major leagues. You're always, always working to validate yourself and to keep going. If you struggle for an extended period of time, no matter who you are, that there will be repercussions for that. To this point, he's just shown this very rare combination of tools and at a position that the Marlins have been struggling to fill for a couple of years now that we're going to see so much of him this year. And I think that's something we could all celebrate, seeing more of his blue hair or whatever color it is he goes to later in the season and his confidence, his celebrations, his and his interactions with the fans. He is 
someone that really is a hands-on figure trying to grow the game. Someone who invests his time in growing the game. That you don't hold a lot of players responsible for doing that, but when they do, that just makes them all the more lovable. And so I can understand why there's been such a strong, immediate attraction of this fan base towards him. And I'm excited to see it unfold right up there with the Dylan Floro that in terms of these guys that have truly exceeded my expectations through this early portion of the season in order to keep the Marlins in the mix here, where they're looking like a very capable team early on. Once again, wishing you a happy Jackie Robinson Day. Hope you enjoyed seeing number 42 on the field for the Marlins uh, here on Thursday, and they'll be wearing it again on Friday when they actually host the, the Giants, doubling up on this great holiday, celebrating breaking the color barrier and allowing amazing people like Jazz into this game. That's been such a blessing that we have these variety of cultures and personalities in baseball to make it great, to make it a higher level of competition than we've ever had before. We'll have our small pod again on Friday morning, just tomorrow. You don't have to wait very long to get a recap of that Thursday game and a preview to the upcoming homestand on our small pod. So make sure you're subscribing to Fist Stripes wherever you get your pods so that you can uh, keep up with everything going on with this Marlins team. We'll have our live streams going, previewing every single series. Uh, so on Friday, late afternoon, early evening, we'll have another live stream looking ahead to the Giants series. You could catch that on Twitter, on YouTube, on Twitch. And we always appreciate your suggestions. If you have any more ideas for more content you'd like to see outside of our pods and our streams and our written analysis and our news coverage and our Marlins history celebrations, that uh, we're all ears. That will do it for this episode of The Official Show. Go fish! Go fish!